Questions about faith, sexuality, and gender are some of the most pressing ethical concerns facing the church today. And this is why, as many of you know, I've worked the last few years on producing small group learning experiences. I don't like the phrase small group studies. I've been through small group studies and quite honestly, I haven't found them super compelling. They just seem kind of flat and two-dimensional. And so I wanted to create a holistic experience where people can be engaged through videos, through testimonies, through really in-depth questions, through accessible and yet thoughtful and in-depth reading material. And I always have a heart for people that want to go deeper. What What if somebody, you know, reads... 40 days of purpose, whatever. And like, well, I want to go deeper into each little section here. And so we created additional resources that if somebody wants to go deeper, they can go online, read more pastoral papers on various questions addressed in this small group learning experience. So as again, many of you know, uh, Grace Truth 1.0 and Grace Truth 2.0 are two uh, parts to a learning, a small group learning experience on faith, sexuality, and gender. It covers theology. It covers various Bible passages. It covers uh, relationships, how to, if you're straight, how to talk to LGBT people, how to love LGBT people. It answers some pushbacks to the traditional view of marriage. It is a one-stop shop, an A to Z small group learning experience for Christians who want to engage this really, really important conversation about faith, sexuality, and gender. So why do I say all that? Because we are offering the small group leaders kit at a discounted rate of 50% off. We sell the leaders kit for $39.95. We are now offering offering it for the month of November for $20. If you put in the promotional code RAW, R-A-W, then you will get the small group leaders kit for 50% off. Now, the small group leaders kit is basically a combination of 1.0 and 2.0. It comes with the books, the DVDs, uh, a small group leader's guide to help leaders understand how to lead a small group in this conversation. Um, And it will get you started. All you'll need to do if you want to lead a small group on this very important conversation, then other people in the group will need to purchase their own copies of the book. But that's all they'll need to do. Uh, If you have the small group leaders kit, then you as a leader are completely prepared and ready to go to lead a conversation on faith, sexuality, and gender. So again, that's uh, the promo. Go to centerforfaith.com. Centerforfaith.com. Go to our store link. You can't purchase this anywhere else. It's not on Amazon. Centerforfaith.com. Go to our store link. Enter in the promotional code RAW, R-A-W. That's RAW, R-A-W. And you will get an instant 50% off of your purchase of the small group leaders kit for the month of November only. So time is a ticking. Okay. My guest for today is somebody I've been wanting to talk to for at least two or three years. My goodness. Jackie Hill Perry is an incredibly talented human being who has an amazing testimony. And you'll hear a bit of that testimony during our conversation. I love Jackie Hill Perry for the fact that she says it like it is. She loves the truth. She loves the gospel. She loves Jesus. And she's just not at all ashamed of the gospel, as Paul says, no Christian should be in Romans 1.16. And so Jackie Hill Perry is a hip hop artist. She is a, uh, a spoken word poet. She's a teacher. She's a preacher. She is incredibly thoughtful. And she just released her new book, uh, Gay Girl, Good God. That's Gay Girl, Good God, uh, put out by uh, BNH uh, Press. And I am so excited to have this conversation. You're going to really enjoy it. Please welcome to the show, Jackie Hill Perry.
right, welcome back to another episode of Theology in the Raw. I am very, very excited to talk to Jackie Hill Perry. Jackie, thanks so much for being on the show. And if you are listening on the podcast, uh, then you don't see where Jackie is at, but she is actually in her her nanny's car (laughs) recording this so her two kids who are asleep don't wake up. So thanks for being willing to go to the car and do this podcast hey, you gotta do some strange things to keep keep the nap going <laughs> oh <you> man <laughs> that that is gold a, 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 a six-month-year-old and a three-year-old who are actually asleep yes. you don't mess with those kids man. <laughs> no because they if they wake up then they act crazy yeah. and then they act crazy towards me and then i act crazy with them so awesome yeah why don't we just uh let's start give it a little bit of background of who you are and uh i mean you've had quite the journey and uh, i think a lot of people listening probably know a bit of it but for those who don't explain to us who jackie hill perry is yeah i'm a black girl uh (laughs) that was raised in st louis a single parent home my mother loved me well my dad loved me sometimes Mm. um grew up kind of had you know some things that I, I noticed early had uh, what I think would be gender confusion, same-sex attraction, was molested at six or seven, got introduced to pornography around seven as well. Wow. Um, so it just became way too way too sexually aware, mm. way too early. Um, I kind of went to church. Not My mother wasn't a believer, um, but she had me go to church with her her. her what, is, what would she be called? Sister-in-law, who yeah. was my aunt, who was a believer. Okay. And so I went to church every week for like you know 10 years straight and that's when I heard about Jesus and the gospel but none of it was attractive it was just kind of like okay that's Mm -hmm. cool y'all love God I think I love God because I I was baptized at five (laughs) so it was kind (laughs) of that so that's that's my life got saved uh now I do poetry teach write music and mother two children with a husband whose name is Preston as well. I know. I just, you know, <laughs> every, every now and then I'll, I'll I, I'm not on Twitter too much, but sometimes I'll pop on your yeah. account. You'll be talking about Preston this, Preston that. I'm like, I'm getting a shout yeah. out. I'm getting a shout out from yeah. Jackie Hill Perry that I find. No. And Preston <laughs> is a really rare name. Know, you don't right? see a lot of Prestons a lot. No, most of them are white yeah. too. <laughs> Show this, not from, but you know, you know, black people, sometimes they had to give their children particular names so that they would get a job. That's what Are that you was. Serious? Really? Yeah, that's a common thing. Is that you don't want the resume to yeah. be too ethnic because uh, you don't want them to be turned away. Wow, gosh, yeah. we we can go down that. Uh, let, 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 yeah, I, I got so many questions about that. But let's. Uh, yeah. So so you just came out with a book, "Gay Girl, Good God," and yes. uh, I have not read it yet. I want to confess it's it's on its way, um, and I'm mm-hmm. super excited to read it. But I can see it's. It's. It seems to be really killing it in terms of like making some waves and reaching some people. Are you happy with how it's been launched and everything? Yeah, I think. I think it. It seems to be doing good. Whatever good is. Um. I, I think. Um. I've just been encouraged by people actually interacting with the book because in Christendom you have so many books being released oh, yeah. all of the all time. All the time. Way too many. Um, even behind you, you've probably read <laughs> 60% of those. And so I think, that, yeah. <laughs> I think to know that you've chosen, someone has chosen my books over mm. all of the other books to read with, to, 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 to interact with over the course of a week, yeah. I think is a blessing. Well, tell us, yeah. tell us a bit about, I mean, you kind of breezed over pretty quickly. What, what was your, ex- yeah. I mean, you were uh, engaging in same sex. I mean, you would even say promiscuity sexuality in a really destructive way 
found Jesus. Right. Uh, what was that whole experience like? I mean, um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, so I noticed I was, I felt same sex attracted early four five, six. And that was before Whoa. the molestation before I even noticed, um, you know, that my father was inconsistent. So I wouldn't yeah. even put my attractions on my trauma. Okay. Um, but it was high school and I was like, you know what? I'm just kind of tired of acting like this isn't here. Um, okay. Cause yeah. it's, it's, it's becoming harder to resist it than it is to actually just, yeah. I was like, I'm, I'm tired of faking. And so I, I, I got into a relationship with a girl uh, when I was a senior in high school. And that's when it felt like, oh, can yeah. you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah, yeah. That's when it felt like, man, why haven't I been doing this a long time ago? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I just was doing that. I, I was with her maybe seven days cause I was 17 and fickle, you know, gay <laughs> or straight. When you're a child, you don't know how to be with each other for a long time. <laughs> so, <laughs> so after that relationship was when I got into another relationship with a woman and yeah. I transitioned into being a stud, which in the black lesbian community is the woman who kind of presents a hyper masculine self. Um, in many ways. And so I was, I was just that gay pride parades, great gay clubs, just gayness, gay community, mm-hmm. uh, friends, um, language even yeah. um, until October, 2018 is when I was just in my room doing something relevant, like watching MTV. Not 2018. And not, not 2000. No, yeah. no, that's this year. 20, 2008. <laughs> she just, she just got saved. <laughs> I folks. Just, just got saved. We got a book deal immediately. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, 2008, I was 19. And, um, I just, I had this, this interaction with God that was random, that didn't make any sense. It was kind of like a Damascus moment where I felt God speak to my heart um, in such a way where I just saw that all of my sin, lesbianism and everything else Mm -hmm. was, was wrong and that it deserved death. Um, Mm -hmm. But Jesus was the only proper alternative for me to turn to and believe in. And so from that day forward, I was a Christian and didn't know that that's what, Christianity was. I just was believing that he was right and true and that my sin was worthless. Didn't know that was repentance and faith, but it was. So wait, it wasn't, it wasn't a Christian that like shared the gospel with you or reached out to you. It's really just God breaking into your life. Yeah. Because Christians, the interactions I had with Christians at that time, they didn't know what to do with me. I don't think they knew what to say to me. It was kind of like, I felt like even when they talked to me, there was always this squinting thing where they were trying (laughs) to figure me out, I guess. Like, how do I talk to this gay girl? Um, But I think what God used to remind me of the gospel is those years in Sunday school. Because what I remembered yeah. was John three sixteen. Mm-hmm. I remembered that for God so loved the world that he gave his son that whoever believes in him shall mm-hmm. not perish but have eternal life. That was all I needed. Mm-hmm. I didn't need to know about atonement and propitiation <laughs> and justification and all of that. I just needed to know Jesus loved and died for people like me yeah. so that we could live. Yeah. What, what, before you came to Christ, I mean, what was your perception of the church? Was it because you were identifying as lesbian and did yeah. you think that oh christians just hate gay people that's what they do or did you not have any deep animosity towards the church or what was your perspective i didn't have animosity but i didn't have trust either okay um because it it seemed as if that was the sin that just was hated the most yeah. um it, it, it that's it. but it also felt christianity felt i don't think the word is intangible but it, it didn't feel like something I could be 
because mm. I felt like Christians were just people that just said no to a whole bunch of stuff. Mm. And I like saying yes. <laughs> so it's just like, I don't want to listen to Christian music all day. I don't want to not curse people out. I don't want to have to wear dresses down to my ankles. I don't, you know, yeah. that's what I, I didn't know that these people were actually in love with God. And that it was a spiritual work that had happened and t- took a place in their hearts where they were able to then choose yeah. God. I just thought, you know, they just said the sin's prayer and they were just better than everybody. So how did you reconcile your faith with your sexuality, like primarily early on? I mean, it seems like yeah. it was your your faith was identified as leaving your sexuality behind. Would that be an accurate right. statement? Like it was a pretty black yes. and white, clean cut? That, the way in which I walked out sexuality, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. I think to leave sexuality behind, I don't know if that's possible. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. broken manifestations maybe of of sexuality for sure. Um, yeah. Did you did you ever work through uh, the theology of sexuality to figure out are these two compatible? Is there because even at that point, I mean, mm-hmm. two thousand eight, more like two thousand eleven, twelve, thirteen, more, more. There's more books and stuff from an affirming perspective where you have people that are you yeah. know using the bible to yeah. justify same-sex marriage like did you ever go on that journey to see is there is there space for same-sex marriage or no i didn't because i was convinced that the bible was accurate mm-hmm. in what it had to say about sexuality even in in sin even when i was actively an unbeliever I never tried to convince myself that what first Corinthians six, nine and 10 was saying was not right. Or Romans <laughs> one. I, I just really believed that that was right. And I would tell my girlfriends, you know, the Bible actually has things that it like God has issue with this. Yeah. And they were like, so why are you gay? I was like, because I want to be, it isn't an issue of theology. Right. It's just an issue of my will. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to do what he wants me to do. Yeah. Um, and so no, I never, I never, I never did that. Yeah. Um, what do you think the church, because I know, I mean, you've engaged this conversation, you know, last several years, I think on a, on a pretty public level. What, what do you think that the, yeah. what do you think the church really gets wrong just in terms of sexuality as a whole? Like where, where's the, where's the gaps? Where's the missing, mm. you know, logic? Yeah. Where have we not allowed God to speak into when we think about this, you know, all the debates about yeah. sexuality and one thing I've been studying a lot of is the concept or what I think is a theory, but the concept of orientation. Yeah. I think the way we talk about people and personhood is just, we, we anchor it way too much in, into who people like or are attracted mm. to, where to me it's made heterosexuality as if it's the holiest thing. Mm-hmm. As, a, as if, if you're a heterosexual, that means you're closer to God than right. someone who is saying sex attracted might be. And it's like, first of all, why are we identifying ourselves by who we're attracted to anyway? Why is that? Mm. Why are we centering our personhood around that instead of our personhood in the fact that we're image bearers of the living God? And so I think that's affected how we see temptation. Mm -hmm. I think that's affected how we see uh, sanctification. Mm -hmm. I think that's affected the way we present the gospel Um, because people, it's just like, I have conversations with people all the time. And it's like, I want to minister to my gay friend. It's like, what is their name? What do they like to do? Why, why is that the way you choose to identify them? Hmm. It's just that they're gay and not that they're a person to be loved. And right. that, that it's so much more to them 
than who they like. Right. Like we are too complicated to just center our entire beings around this one aspect of our lives. And so I think we, I think orientation has affected the church yeah. and the way we view sexuality um, in a major way. It is a very modern way of looking at human nature, a very modern and very, and very, and very Western too way of looking at yes. the human person to elevate. And, and I know we blame everything on the sexual revolution, but it kind of, I don't know. I, th- I think there's a, a lot there that in the wake of the mm-hmm. sexual revolution, we have way over sexualized our human experience mm-hmm. to where people mm-hmm. now it's like, if they're not, if they think they can't get married and have lots of great sex, they're like, well, I just, I can't flourish. Like I can't exist yeah. like that as a human. And it's like, come on, man. Like that, that, yeah. I mean, again, we're idolizing something, a good gift that God's created, but tremendously idolizing it so that when we don't get it, we feel like, you know, like we're, mm-hmm. we can't flourish as a we're human. missing out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We've lifted it way too high, mm-hmm. <laughs> way too high. Yeah. It's, it's an aspect. It's not the whole thing of what it means to be human. Cause to me, I think Sam Alberry speaks to this a lot, but uh, uh, better than I would, but I, I think it's, there's something to be said about our savior being a single man. I know, right? Yeah. Is he, was he less than human because of it? I know, right? <laughs> he was fully human and fully whole. Um, even while yeah. he did not, or was not able to explore himself sexually. He would not be hired on at most churches because he's single. He certainly wouldn't be allowed <laughs> to do any marriage counseling, you know. Or Paul. <laughs> or Paul, yeah. <laughs> so so you, um, I haven't followed, uh, I, I just, I don't pay attention too much to what's going on out there, but I do know enough that you have uh, poked the bear quite a few times in this conversation. <laughs> you think so? Which I like. And- well, in what way? so here, here's where, and, and uh, when people found out I was going to have you on, the, the main question that people said, I, I, I want to know, like, does she endorse reparative therapy? Like, does she think that people should go get therapy to become straight? Because some people um, have taken what you've said about conversion, I think, and said and mapped that on more of a conversion therapy. So, um, which is interesting to me. <laughs> Not to cut you off, it's interesting to me because. It's one, have I ever affirmed it? Have I ever said it? Yeah. Um, so have you not? Even, I mean, I, I, I literally don't even know. And I don't even, I just want. I've your- never affirmed conversion therapy, nor have I ever been uh, someone who has said that believers or gay people should come to the Lord to be straight. Okay. It, I've pushed so much to say to the church. God is not calling gay people to be straight. Yeah. He's calling gay people to be holy. Yeah. Because heterosexuality is not a fruit of the spirit. Right. Self-control is. <laughs> so in First Corinthians 6, yeah. 9 through 11, he does say, and such were some of you, but you were washed, right. you were justified, and you were sanctified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. He doesn't say, he doesn't say that they will not struggle, that they will not right. be tempted. He says that they've been cleansed. Right. They've been made right with God, um, that they will be continue to be made holy. And so God, what God has done is mm-hmm. that he has changed someone's nature and uh, empowered them to live out um, a life that loves him and sees their mm-hmm. sexuality in the place that it should be seen. And so for me, am I advocate or am I affirming of it? No, but I can see why people would assume it in some ways because I think the way people introduce mm-hmm. me can sometimes make it seem that way. They'll say ex-gay uh, or, yeah. you know, ex-lesbian where it can sound as if, oh, she's saying that she's not gay anymore. And it's just like, there we go with the orientation thing. Yeah. No, I'm a human being. And yeah. as a human being, am I tempted? Absolutely. Women are still beautiful. Um, I am still inclined to want to enjoy them in ways that is not holy and not sure. godly. Yeah. 
But at the same time, God has given me a greater affection for him. And so even when these temptations uh, well up, I choose him. So good. And I think that's what Christianity is. It's not, it's not conversion therapy. It's just conversion. I mean, we, it's conversion. <laughs> but that, that word has been hijacked. Yeah. I no, that's, and I can, yeah. so, uh, so it, you're, you're saying it's, when you use language of just a ra- what a radical conversion to Jesus is, people just kind of assume mm-hmm. that, uh, that, 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 well, they just use that language and think you're kind of endorsing through the back yes. door, maybe conversion therapy. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And I, honestly, yeah. I don't even, my, I'm just a big fan of people being interpreted for what they're actually saying. I don't even, mm-hmm. I'm not even like, Oh, everybody needs to line up on this or that. And I've got friends on all across the map on this conversation. What, what, what I don't like is that we can't have a conversation and, and we misrepresent mm-hmm. other people. And gosh, I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, I've been very misrepresented on, on so many levels. So I, I know what that feels yeah. like, but, uh, um, yeah. what, yeah. Uh, oh shoot. There's something I was going to say. Um, well, let, let, let's transition to your music. You are a poet, yeah, a, uh, a hip hop artist, spoken yes. word poet, right? Yes. Uh, so is that, are you like, do you tour all the time? Is this like a major part of your life? Is it a kind of a side? Used to be. Yeah. Used to be. For the first eight years of my ministry, it was primarily poetry. Um, okay. It was this last probably year and a half, two years where I start to drift into teaching. Cause that's my greater passion teaching? is to treat, teach the scriptures. Yeah. Like yeah. even my poetry was me artistically teaching scripture. <laughs> and so yeah. it's like, let me just actually open up a real Bible um, <laughs> and, and do that. And so that's kind of what I do primarily. How do you, how, what's your avenue for teaching? What do you do? Uh, conferences, people call me and say, Hey, can you teach on this text? I'm like, yeah. sure. <laughs> that's kind of what it is uh, when I was at my old church I just moved to Atlanta recently okay. when, I was, when I was at my old church I was one of the women's uh, leaders so I tried okay. to do a, use a lot of my teaching gifts locally yeah. uh, with women that I was discipling or with the other women yeah. that I was leading so. so you're in Atlanta now what brought about the move to Atlanta there's grass <laughs> Um, cause I was in Chicago and Chicago is, is the, the grass lots are like, yeah, you know, yeah. kind of like a buzz cut type of thing. <laughs> and so we wanted grass and we wanted a home with space. And then our families are converging here randomly. So my mother moved here from St. Louis in May before okay. I gave birth. Yeah. Uh, my brother's moving here. So we wanted to, I just want to live out the rest of my days, yeah. uh, near my family, especially my mom, not knowing how much yeah. time I might have with her. Did you say Preston's family is from Atlanta as well or? They're from Chicago. Oh, they're, oh that's so what... The oh, from okay. Chicago. I'm from St. Louis. We met in L.A., and we're all moving here okay. now. Wow. It's so it's weird fun. for me to say Preston, by the way. It's just... I'm just so it not is. used to it. You so, feel like you're talking about yourself, I am, yeah. I'm just talking about myself. <laughs> <laughs> now, now is, uh, is he a hip-hop artist as well? Or, or spoken word? He, what does he do? He, he's a poet. Yeah, he's a poet and an apologist. Um, so oh, he's, right. he's on a, t- a tour right now doing poetry, and then on the side, he talks about all things apologetics really so we have fun we both read uh heresy all the all together at night and then we talk about it <laughs> what are your so what, <laughs> that's our thing so do you do you enjoy apologetics as well is that uh or what would be uh a- i'm intrigued by it because I, I think i i think even my discussion on sexuality is kind of like yeah. a sexual apologetics oh, yeah, yeah, um sure. in many ways when it comes to him and other religions I'm intrigued, uh, but it's just it's just a lot of information. Yeah. Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, Five Percent Nation, Nation of Islam. Yeah. It's just too much, yeah. and so I'll, I'll leave that to him. Okay, so you'd rather <laughs> just teach directly, just teach the text directly without getting into some big debate, or 
I don't like argue, arguing. That's not, but that's, yeah. I, I'm not a fan. It's like, oh, you don't believe it? Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Have fun with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's just like, it but out. we can dialogue. If someone is willing to dialogue about yeah. faith and dialogue about the differences and dialogue about what we both see or think of God, I'm, I'm always open for a conversation yeah. or debate. Absolutely not. Do you, do you get a lot of criticism for stuff you've said on sexuality? I mean, I kind of alluded to it earlier a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm sure I do. I, I mean, I see one. I don't. I don't allow myself to even go into the forums where I would see all of the criticism in its yeah. highest form. Yeah. So Facebook comments, yeah. YouTube comments, even Amazon reviews. I don't pay too much. Don't attention read to Amazon that. reviews. Uh, yeah, do not read Amazon. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah I learned that. Uh, <laughs> and so, but there, there is criticism, and I, and I, I think I saw it in its, in its like intensity when i went to harvard and saw the reaction to my coming oh um, yeah what was so, that all about that was a couple a couple years ago a year ago no that was la- that was that... probably 10 months ago so what was that all about yeah so i guess so i was invited to teach uh to the christian organization on campus mm-hmm. maybe 190 maybe 90 to 100 students and then when i guess the lbgt plus uh groups on campus found out that i was coming they attributed that to hatred and bigotry. And so it began, like, they kind of rounded up some people to do a protest. And so it became an open, uh, open free, what do they call it, a freedom of speech forum, where they opened it to all the students on the campus so that the protesters could come and protest uh, freely. And so that was just kind of so well, Did they just sit there and bang cymbals and get on loudspeakers, no, or did they actually engage in no. a conversation? So the, it was about 60 to 70 protesters and they came um, dressed in rainbows, rainbow, you know, letting us all know who they were mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And then some of them had flags about, you know, me being a bigot and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And so while I told my story, they were really quiet, um, really respectful. It was when I started to preach. Um, I think it's something before, but it's, it's when Jesus is in the garden and he's praying for God to let the cup pass for him. But he says, you know, not my will, but your will be done. And how Jesus um, denied himself um, mm-hmm. so that he could live out the will of God. And so how much more do, do we, how much more should we lay aside our own rights mm-hmm. um, to please God according to his will and his will being that, you know, we should not be sexually immoral. That's the will of God that Thessalonians says. And so it was when I started to teach that text that the angst rose up in the room. So there were comments, there was scoffing, there was crying, there was cursing me out, uh, stuff like that. But that's, that's expected. You don't seem shaken up by it at all. Was it like, was it hard to go through or not? Not really. It was just tense. Yeah. It, it was, it was, it was, it was tense to be, it, it felt like one, I, I felt like I identified with Jesus and Paul a lot more than I would have. Yeah. Um, because they did that all the time. Yeah. Jesus and Paul were always in synagogues <laughs> saying that Jesus is the way uh, to be made right before God and not the law. Um, but it also gave me a, a real clear picture of how, how those who are unbelievers, how they interact with, the gospel call to repentance and faith, um, that it really is a foolish thing, yeah. that it, it really is repulsive when you can't see the good news as being good news. Um, and so I felt like the protesters were there because they they felt like I was protesting or I was bringing some type of 
information to them that was harmful. Yeah. I saw it as you're here under the sovereign hand of God so that you could hear the gospel <laughs> um, and hear the gospel presented in the way that maybe you haven't heard it. Maybe yeah. all you have heard is people say, all of y'all are going to hell. Stop being gay. Be straight. That's not my aim at yeah, all. Yeah. My aim is not. God is saying mm -hmm. whatever is in your way from knowing him and loving him, turn from right, that right. so you can be one with the one that, that you were made for. And yeah. so I think my angle is different. Is that, is, Sorry. For no, that is that is. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's robbing a car. <laughs> what are they? There you go. got it. You got it. Um, now, I'm so curious because I've been following a lot of these conversations on uh I can still hear it uh, on college campuses. And especially in the mm -hmm. last two years, there's just such a, any idea that students find disagreeable, they say it's harmful, you know, and then they, yes. and it, safe spaces, safe spaces. And, and if yeah. words cause violence, then we can use physical violence to prevent you from giving verbal violence. You know, it's just, it's, mm. it's so, it's so dangerous for so many reasons. Mm. There's a great book that just, came out on this topic called the coddling of the American mind and how, Ooh, Oh, I you like got to read it. You got to read it. Yeah. Uh, the coddling of the American mind, uh, how good intentions are hurting our whatever, but they, they say it, it was, there was a distinct shift in 2013, 2014, where there was this massive explosion of labeling everything harmful that's really just disagreeable. Mm. Cause I mean, when you, mm. when you talk about your, the content of your speech, you're basically, I mean, summarizing the most basic aspect of a Christian sexual ethic held by over a billion people on the planet. Well, no, if you add Muslims and Orthodox yeah. Jews, I mean, any monotheist is going to say yeah. sex outside a male female marriage is sin. And if you want to embrace right. this deity, this religion, then that comes with it. Kind of like if you want to be a Jew, you stop eating shrimp. You want to be a Muslim, right. you observe Ramadan. If you want to be a Christian, you observe a Christian sexual ethic which is held right. globally, you know, like if that hearing that idea you think is harmful, you're not, mm -hmm. you can't function in the society. Mm -hmm. if, that, if that, I mean, I think it really is just a, it's not only a, a, an intellectual cop out, like refusing yeah. to actually deal with it, but it actually, it, it ended up, it, when you label ideas you disagree with as harmful, that actually, yeah. it, it that will end up producing more harm because you're not gonna be able to function in For life sure. you can't be around yeah. anybody that disagrees with you it's just it's so Very dangerous fragile. yeah and you you hinder your growth as a human being yeah. um, but i think i think it's just a convenient way to do what romans one has said we all do which yeah. is to suppress the truth by our own unrighteousness is that if it if that if your truth is not lined up with my truth and your truth is bad <laughs> and it's like if that's the way, if that's the way we're gonna go throughout this life, yeah. um, then we're not gonna we're not gonna see Jesus, because because he he said he said some hard yeah. stuff. Jesus was I think Jesus was harder than most of us are willing yeah. to be. Oh yeah. yeah, for him to go into these spaces and call these people broods of vipers, yeah. Yeah. for him to say you are a child of the devil, your father. <laughs> I would be terrified to go on anybody's <laughs> campus and say, yeah, you're a child of the devil. <laughs> yeah. I, would, I, would, I would be, I would be protesting so uh, bad. You know what I'm saying? But that's, yeah. that was the son of God saying these things. And so is that harmful? Yeah. It's harmful to my idols. Yeah, sure. Totally. Oh my gosh. What was there any, did you see any fruit come out of the, of the conversation? Anybody that was like, kind of like, Oh, I was expecting something worse. And now I want to listen to you more or. Well, I, I, I opened it up to say, hey, I'll, and I'm, at this time I was pregnant. I was like six months pregnant, and so I was exhausted. Yeah. But I said, 
uh, I can stay an extra hour, two hours, hours for anyone who wants to dialogue with me. And the only people that came up to me were believers. And so to me, it was like, I don't think you, for them specifically, I don't think they wanted to engage in the conversation. I think they just wanted to, to, to state their disagreement, but not yeah. engage on how we can figure this out yeah, um, yeah. and flesh out the disagreement. So it is, was there immediate fruit? There might be. Yeah. I, I really believe that God is, is able to do to them and to everyone else at the same way he did to Saul is to convert them uh, by the the same means that they are against. Yeah. I, I think that's what he, he's good at that. That's so, I mean, and I get all that. And I appreciate your perspective. It's, it, it is, to me, it's just so frustrating when, and I've had this happen to me when I speak on the topic too. Yeah, I've had people yeah. come up during a Q and A after I give a long talk, then mm-hmm. I'll have like, this has happened a few weeks ago. Then during the Q and A, some guy comes up, and he doesn't go to the school I spoke at. He didn't hear my talk, but he comes with a question. Yeah. He didn't like my answer. And then he kind of like, you know, and I'm kind of pushing back very graciously, but like, hey, explain this, yeah. that, whatever. And he didn't want anything to do it, walks out. I'm like, you're not, you're not actually wanting to engage in a conversation. You're just nope. wanting to either shut me down Be or mad. whatever. And I'm like, I want to I mm-hmm. have an actual conversation. Like, I, mm-hmm. I'm willing to learn from you. Maybe there's something you would say that I, I you know, want to listen mm-hmm. to. And it's just so frustrating. People don't actually want to have a, a conversation, you know. And there, and I, I've, I've always wondered if there's a, a, a fear there. And this is an assumption. But if, if what I am saying is true, right. then that means you're accountable to believing it. <laughs> That means that if what yeah. I'm saying is true, then that means you have to repent yeah. and relinquish all of your idols, whatever, yeah. whether that's sexuality, pornography, whatever the case may be, and fling yourself onto the mercies of Jesus Christ. No sinner in human history wants to do that yeah. apart from the grace and mercy and kindness of God. What? And so <laughs> why would you want to engage yeah. with me and just so happen to find yeah. out that you're wrong? So for you, it's it's kind of like almost <laughs> like, of course, they would respond like that because they're suppressing yeah. suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. They're, yeah. yeah, I don't. I, there's no way I would I would ever go even. Even Christian campuses, I expect oh, yeah. pushback. Yeah. Rosario Butterfield went to Wheaton yeah. and got protested. Yeah. Wheaton. Yeah. And so for me, it's like if the Bible is true, then what I'm talking about sounds dumb. Yeah. yeah. If it's true. Unless the way I'm talking about it isn't the way Jesus was talking about it and the world should welcome me with open arms. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, honestly, in my experience, in this conversation, it's the Christian, usually straight, mostly white, under 30 year old affirming Christians who are the most hostile, Mm -hmm. hostile towards me. My non-Christian gay friends are like, dude, Mm -hmm. love what you're doing. You're like helping the church love gay people better. It's great. You know, of course you believe what you do. You're a Christian. Like to them, it's not. um, But it's, uh, and even, yeah, uh, yeah, there's just, there's so much uh, lack of understanding, misrepresenting and just a desire to tarnish, I think, because people don't want to be faced with what if I'm wrong? What if I need a challenge and leave something behind? Um, Yeah, that's a terrifying thing. Yeah. So are you, uh, speak, do you speak on this topic quite a bit? I mean, from your book and everything, or is it? The book, uh, I I, I think I speak on it maybe monthly, but not often, but I'm sure in the coming months. Yeah. Uh, that will probably be what I speak on the most. Do you enjoy um, it? Is it a topic and, you like to engage in or you do it because you feel like God's giving you a voice for it? I enjoy it because I think this is what God is kind of leading me to do and wants me to do. Um, and, and I think there's so, 
there's still so much misunderstanding about it all. Yeah. Like there's so much confusion. And I think Christians have just overcomplicated it yeah. in so many ways. This is like, uh, I, I, someone came up to me uh, two weeks ago and was like, yeah, so how do I minister to um, my gay uncle? They're going to be over uh, our house at Thanksgiving. I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't think I've ever had or heard someone ask that question about their drunken uncle. I know, right? <laughs> People don't say, my drunk uncle's going to be there for Christmas. I really don't. I don't know how to talk to him. What should I do? <laughs> what you do is you love the man and you talk to the man. And yeah. then when things come up or situations arise where you can address his sin um, and point him to Jesus, you do it. But you don't overcomplicate it. You All recognize right. that this sin is, is who he is and what he does. Uh, but he needs hope and he needs grace. There isn't this methodology that you have yeah. in embracing all of your other family members that are sinful, yet when it comes to sex, same-sex attraction, that's just the one thing that we feel as if we are ill-equipped to handle when yeah. I, don't, I don't think that's the case. Yeah, well, so. yeah I've, I've heard countless stories of uh, people coming to Christ who are gay or lesbian, and, and the turning point for them in many cases was I was treated like a normal person by the church. Like I came over to the there house for go. dinner. I was trying, I came over to the house for dinner. I thought that they were going to like mock me and beat me and whatever. I was scared to death to go to their house. I, I came in, they asked me honest questions. They didn't interrogate me. They gave me food. We gave hugs and they left. And my whole worldview was like turned upside down because I was treated like a human being. Because <laughs> The expectation is that you're going to just uh, bring out Romans and Leviticus yeah. And all of this over over meatloaf, right. and it's like, <laughs> it's like, is that how you yeah. came to Christ? Know, is right? that every time you went out to eat with somebody, it's like, so you know you're a sinner, right? Yeah. Let, let's let's yeah. no, it doesn't work like that. Just just be a human yeah. and be normal. And when the gospel comes up, it comes up. Yeah, like, that's, that's awesome. So good. Yeah. Well, Jackie, I'm gonna wrap things up. I'm actually. Uh, it looks like my uh, Zoom chat thing is counting down and is about to close out for some reason. Uh, well, look at I that. I don't know why that is. But anyway, I want to yeah. respect your time too. I know you got kids to look after, but thanks so much for being on the show. I, I so appreciate the, <laughs> oddly enough, the clarity of, of your voice, <laughs> despite some people uh, misinterpreting something you said. To me, I've never, it's it's never been unclear to me. And just, I love how, you are so centered on the gospel and everything else is under the shadow of the gospel of Christ. I think we would, uh, we wouldn't overcomplicate so many topics if we kept it that simple. So thank you so much for that clarity and that passion. So, so good. Thank you, Mr. Sprinkle. (laughs) (laughs) Call me Preston. Call me Preston. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I got you. Take care.